Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, Tech fans, and welcome in to episode 155 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios and the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. On Saturday, the 4-5 and five Virginia Tech Hokies host number 3 Clemson for a 7.30 kickoff inside of Lane Stadium. Do the Hokies have a chance of pulling off the upset coming off a of bye week? Episode 155 of the Tech Sideline Podcast gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, so glad that you could join us today as we record on Thursday afternoon, December 3rd. Our crew today, we have our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes. And I am your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Again, it's great to have all of you with us. A reminder, if you are watching live on YouTube, please hit the like and the subscribe button. You can also do that if you're watching archived. And if you have a question for Will or Chris, football or basketball related, go ahead and put it in the chat, and we will get to those at the end of the show. Campus Emporium is proud to sponsor the, tech, is proud to sponsor the TSL community, a portion of every sale is a return to Virginia Tech in support of its endowment for excellence, student programming, and need-based scholarships. We have been serving the Virginia Tech community for over 25 years from our locations in Blacksburg and our online store. Please visit the number one source for Virginia Tech merchandise at CampusEmporium.com or come see us at 207 North Main Street or 1337 South Main Street. Tech Sideline Podcast also brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Go to southeastrtc.com to find different ways of how you can support Virginia Tech Wrestling. Gentlemen, great to be with you today. Again, Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. Will, great to have Campus Emporium and Southeast Regional Training Center with us here as proud partners and sponsors of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Right. So so first, let's address the fact that uh, Fisher Law Firm has dropped off uh, Nothing sinister or anything there. Uh, uh, Jonathan Fisher and I have known each other for a long time, and um, I know he doesn't want me airing out his private thoughts, but he's just reassessing his law practice and, and might go in a different direction than what he's been doing. So, uh, you know, we we appreciate he's been a sponsor since 2014, long time. And Campus Emporium goes back, way back. Let's put it this way. Um, when I was making up the uh, – ad read for you just now what we have on our site it's it's words written by campus emporium and it says we've been in business over a decade well they've been in business since 1995 so they've been in business 25 years when that ad copy was written for us for our site 
Yes, it was mid-2000s, and they had been in business for, quote, over a decade, unquote. So I changed it to say 25 years. So that's how long they've been with us. And uh, so they are the uh, um, title sponsor, not title, but uh, featured sponsor now on the Tech Sideline Podcast. And I will say this, go to campusemporium.com. They have free shipping on orders over $12 now through December 13th. And if you go to their website, one thing they're really good about year after year is letting you know what the shipping dates are for you to get your stuff in time for Christmas. So keep an eye on them. Go uh, go check out the uh, store and, uh, and, the, and the site and get you some uh, Hokie merchandise. Chris Coleman, how are you doing on this Thursday afternoon? What's going on in the world of Chris Coleman? Man, excited to watch the basketball game tonight. Yeah. Not so excited to watch the football game this weekend. <laughs> Odd things to say for Virginia Tech fans, I know, but here we are, 2020. <laughs> you know, well, it's it's uh, crossover season. We that's what we refer to it as when it, when football right. and men's basketball intertwine. Just how exciting does it get here at Tech Sideline when you've got men's hoops, women's hoops, football, wrestling coming up? What's what, what's it like the next couple of months? You know, I uh, I don't think we. I know I personally didn't handle the transition very well this year. Part of it is that the the regular sequence didn't occur. Like the the basketball schedule wasn't announced until the season was pretty much ready to yeah, start. Maybe like a week before, yeah. You know, and, and football's all been all kind of skewed. So fortunately, we've, we've pretty much pulled Jake Lyman in to cover basketball for us. Because honestly, Chris and I hadn't really talked about it. And so the very first game they played, I'm already blanking. Who who was it against? Radford. Radford. That was on. That was noon, right? On, that was noon on a Wednesday. I'm going to admit it. It was noon on a Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving. I got up about. I I slept in. Man, the football season had been exhausting. I slept in that day till about eleven or eleven thirty. Got up, looked at my phone, got distracted by some emails, went over to Twitter. It was twenty minutes after twelve afternoon, and the game was underway. And I, I'd forgotten because I just got up late and got into stuff. So that's kind of what it's been like for me. Um, it's, uh, it's, we're okay. You know, we're in a good spot right now. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. We don't need to go on and on about that. Well, there's a lot of great content on techsideline.com. Read your Inside the Numbers article a couple of days ago. Did you have fun putting that together? Yeah. Much, much more fun than I had putting together most inside the numbers for football this year. Those numbers weren't so good, unless you were talking about like the offensive Christian line. Christian Derisaw has, <laughs> yeah. has his own section in inside the numbers for the, football. The sad thing about Derisaw is like, you know, he's going to go ahead and declare for the draft after right. the season, I'm sure. Um, so, and he's one of the best players to ever play for Virginia Tech, regardless yeah. of position. And I feel like a lot of, like down the road 10 years from now, like not a lot of tech fans will give him much of a thought because two of his three seasons at Virginia Tech will have been losing seasons. Yeah, which is a shame because he's an awesome player. You know, I, I was listening to a uh, Jets podcast a couple of days ago. And they were talking about the upcoming draft because that's what we as Jets fans have to look forward to in the middle of an NFL season. <laughs> 20, and twenty to three. The uh, the expert was uh, talking about Christian Darrisaw. Brought him up. I mean, really? Just how just you know, one of the top offensive line prospects for the draft. So, anyways, he's getting a lot of praise from. Mm-hmm. Um, from those that do put together mock drafts. And, I mean, he could certainly be a very high draft pick. So so uh, you guys probably saw this on Twitter. I've, uh, I put a picture on Twitter, I think, yesterday or the day before that I took at a uh, uh, camp in, in, in Blacksburg back in 2013, I think, 2014 maybe. And it's a picture of uh, Billy Ray Mitchell's standing with 
about eight other guys. Tyrell Smith's there. Tyrell Smith is in there. Um, Derek Noddy is in the picture. Derek Noddy was hanging out with guys that day. And so if you look in the picture and you identify everybody, some guys that were on campus that day that are still in high school were Derek Noddy, NFL player. Uh, I think Chuck Clark was in one of the pictures, uh, NFL player. And I'm leaving somebody out. There was, oh, Wyatt Teller. I had mm-hmm. pictures of Wyatt Teller from that day, NFL player. So it's interesting that these are just high school kids, you know, and and years later, man, they're, they're, they've got great careers going in the NFL. I don't know that, was Chuck Clark still in high school then? Do you know, Chris? Oh, uh, let's see, his last year at Tech was 2016. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, hold on. What what month and what year was this? Are we talking about? That probably would have been summer of 2013. But he would have enrolled at Tech that that later that summer. So so he was, yeah. He he was either just, he never redshirted. So okay, all right. So, um, and the pictures had James Gale in them, and James mm-hmm. Gale and Andrew Matuapawaka. Gale was it was Gale and J C Coleman who were always show up to those camps and were great recruiters. Gale was phenomenal. Program. I've got, I've got a picture yeah. of Gale yucking it up with Derek Noddy, and you see that picture, and you're like, yeah, man, Derek Noddy's coming to Tech, and nope. Mm-hmm. Well. We got a. <laughs> by the way, a great podcast on Monday. If you're looking for basketball content, we dedicated our entire podcast on Monday, episode 154, talking about the win over Villanova, the hot start for Virginia Tech basketball. If you're looking for a recap of that, go listen to that. On today's show, we're going to talk a lot about number three Clemson and Virginia Tech on Saturday night inside of Lane Stadium. How can the Hokies pull off the upset of the Tigers? We'll get to that in just a little bit. But we begin. The podcast today talking about some news that came up earlier in the week, and that was Hokies coach Justin Fuente confirming that quarterback Quincy Patterson had entered the transfer portal. Will, Quincy Patterson was somebody who had so much hype coming into Virginia Tech. Elite 11 prospect. Trent Dilfer was someone who really um, had high aspirations for him and sung his praises. Incredibly hard worker. Of course, the North Carolina game is probably the the legacy he'll leave at Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised to hear the news about him transferring? No, uh, it, it had been rumored, um, you know, and and so how, how many years has Quincy been here? Is this this his is third, his third year. Third I mean, season? it's been rumored for a year, basically. Now, Quincy was at the Elite and and he wasn't in the run-up to the Elite 11. He was in the actual Elite 11 mm-hmm. that, that I think they do out in California. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, they, they – I believe they ran a four, uh, four episode series on it. I don't remember what network it was. It's on the NFL Network. NFL Network. Okay, it's like four half hour shows. And Quincy was kind of one of the guys they featured. featured. Now, granted, there are eleven guys. It's easy to feature all. They had of them. a camera in the car with him as he's driving around Chicago. Yeah. You know, and he had already committed to Tech at that point, and already he was a top notch representative of the program. Yeah. By how yeah. how he handled himself during all of that. So that's where the famous Trent Dilfer quote came from that I, I think I retweeted it on Tech Sidelines feed. Uh, may have gotten buried since then, but, uh, you know, that's where Trent Dilfer, who was working with the Elite 11 quarterbacks, basically said, you're going to play in the NFL someday, and you're, and you're going to play in the NFL, not because you're a good athlete with a strong arm, but because you're brilliant. And Chris and I spent a lot of time trying to manage expectations with Quincy, and one of the things I noticed early on, first of all, it wasn't hard to figure out that, you know, Quincy was mostly a running quarterback in high school. Through and you, 80 passes as a senior. 80 passes as a senior. Yeah. So I, I remember counting this. You go look at Quincy's high school film, 
and it was 42 plays, 21 running plays and 21 passing plays. And that kind of kind of clued you into where Quincy was as a as a as a developmental quarterback. So, not surprised by any of that. I think he handled the hype here very well and he was a very popular guy. I think the first time we ever saw him in a game was at UNC in uh, his redshirt freshman year, right? Remember, he came in and just mm-hmm. ran for a first down, and the guys on the sideline freaked out. That was the game that, that uh, Tech recovered a fumble way down at the end and then drove downfield. Oh, that would have been his true freshman. True freshman? Okay. Yeah. I think by then they had the four-game rule in. I get, yeah. He redshirted that year. He was able to play yeah, in four right, games, right. and that was one of the four that he played in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, shame to see him go. It'll be interesting to see who picks him up. Yeah, it, honestly, it's disappointing because honestly, it's rare that you have someone with Quincy's natural physical skills and his high level of intelligence all combined together. And I'm just, I've been harping on Tech's quarterback development recently, and I'm just disappointed that it didn't work out. Um, I. I I know Hooker is blocking him right now, but here's the thing: Quincy has more physical talent than Hooker. I think if I think if he'd been developed properly, he'd be starting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm. He was a guy that the fan base. If he had been Virginia Tech's starting quarterback and a good player here, the fan base would have rallied around, and all his teammates like him. So he's one of those guys. If he had been in a leadership position, like I said, this team, in my opinion, has a leadership void. And if Quincy was in a leadership position, which you're not as a backup quarterback, you know maybe things are a little di- a little bit different as far as that is concerned. Because Quincy is a buy-in guy, you know people. All will, you have to do is look at the biceps to right, see the buy-in. Right. So biceps so, equal buy-in. Right. So <laughs> so people would have followed Quincy, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. So my, uh, it's just disappointing how it worked out. I, I think things could have been better, not just at the quarterback position, but maybe in some other things with the program right now. If Quincy had been developed, as I think he could have been, but and we'll never know. Well, and we'll never know here. Um, and now maybe it's Quincy. Maybe he just has a mental block to to quarterback. We'll so we'll have we'll just have to see what happens at his next school, but. Uh, yeah, I just it's disappointing to me, man. That's all I can say. So if you look at the guys that have entered the transfer portal, I mean, have any of them? You know, Trayvon Hill played a lot at Miami after he left. Yeah, uh, but I don't. Trayvon did not get drafted, correct? correct. And and did he even sign a free agent contract? It was originally with, reported with the that Patriots. He, well, yeah, but he never made it to camp. Apparently, yeah. So, so it was reported that he had signed with them, and then he didn't actually sign with them. So you've got uh, Quincy in the portal and. Daryl Simmons also entered in with him, and and who else? Bowick. Elijah Bowick. Elijah Bowick. Um, so those guys were all Fuente recruits. Mm-hmm. All. Uh, f- I know Simmons was four star by at least one service. Bowick was like an upper level three star, but he had like Notre Dame offers and NC State and Georgia and teams like that. Yeah, like, like Re- an Isaiah really Ford prolific situation. receiver in, in the city of Charlotte. You yeah. know, uh, so um, again, disappointing. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't. I don't think Tech's really had anybody enter the portal. And then, and then, well, you know, Trayvon McMillian had a good year out of Colorado after mm-hmm. he left. Um, so th- this will, Quincy will be one to watch. And I know everybody's rooting for him, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping he does well at his next stop. 
Yeah, really have heard great things about him, like you guys said. As a teammate, he represented Virginia Tech so well. And I think, uh, again, as I said earlier, his his legacy that he'll leave behind will certainly be the infamous six-overtime game against North Carolina. I mean, think about Quincy Patterson. Think about when his number's been (laughs) called in situations where he didn't know his number was going to be called. He delivered. He did. North Carolina State, North Carolina. almost won the Notre Dame game. Almost Uh, won the Notre Dame game. And you think about it. So, I mean – that's hard. Like you hear coaches talk talk about that all the time, and as fans, you know we take it for granted. But if you're the backup quarterback and you don't think you're going to play, like how hard are you really going to prepare? I mean, it's easy to say, oh yeah, you should do that. You should prepare really hard. But if you're that actual person, it's kind of hard to do it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine if like you were a backup podcast host and you had to prepare like the starter every week. Right. And for like two straight years, you prepared like the starter and then you never actually got to host the podcast. Wouldn't you be slacking off at some point in there? Probably this just isn't going to happen. So why am I going to work hard this week? (laughs) And then, bam, the podcast host gets sick and you have to come in and you're not prepared because you finally started slacking off. And and then we get into a podcast that goes two and a half hours long. I've got to have a two point conversion. Six overtime. Uh, Right. Exactly. Um, You got to pull the right questions off of YouTube. Yeah. So so the (laughs) fact you got to stop us when we're talking too much. (laughs) The fact that Quincy was able to stay, he was always ready when called on says a lot about him, I think. And, And his discipline is, is a person. So yeah, I'll always be disappointed with, uh, with the way uh, Quincy's career went at Virginia Tech. Not disappointed in Quincy, right? but just disappointed in the situation. Well, think back to that North Carolina game. You think about the, uh, the about that 50-yard rushing touchdown he had in the yeah. fourth quarter. And to me, I think the moment of his career will forever be in, in second overtime, the fourth and seven touchdown pass that was that was to Trey Turner, believe it. Or was that Hazleton? That was to Hazleton. Hazleton. That the just hand. beautiful throw. And there, like there was a pass flag interference. On the, I mean, too, yeah. that was um, – anyways, that yeah, was – Yeah, well, uh, I remember the Tech coaching staff saying after the game, you know, that that was his go-to pass. That's the pass he throws the best. And I think that's accurate. We saw him throw that pass a few times, and it was always the one he threw the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love the run, man. The run is uh, – we got some great pictures of that run. I was in the front row behind the UNC bench for the whole second half of that game. I, mm-hmm. I was my normal season tickets for the first half, but I traded with somebody for the second half. So I went down to sit where she had been sitting, and I was like, whoa, this is like front row seats. Pretty cool. Yeah. So I sat there like probably 40-yard line behind behind Mac Brown basically the whole time. Yeah. And so that Quincy run was right in front of me. And to see all that stuff happen right there on the field. Quincy gave us one of one of the greatest moments in Virginia Tech history, to be right. honest. Right. So, yep. thank you, Quincy Patterson. That's all you can uh, and good say, luck. man. Yeah. Well, Virginia Tech has an opportunity on Saturday to provide another exciting game in Lane Stadium's uh, history as they host number three Clemson. The Clemson Tigers, one loss on the season, came in double overtime against the number uh, second-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They were without star quarterback Trevor Lawrence, who will likely be the number one overall draft selection in the 2021 NFL Draft. Before we get into Clemson, though, well, it's been a week and a half since we've really talked Virginia Tech football, football yeah. on the podcast. Hokies are 4-5, and five, and Coach Justin Fuente talked about, after the Pittsburgh game, just how necessary it was to have a bye week, that the team had been going at it essentially since July. So how much good do you think this bye week did for this program just to give everyone just a breather after what's been a 
uh, feels like a marathon since July. Well, I just told you I slept till 1130 the day before Thanksgiving. I slept a lot that that whole five day stretch. I didn't even do a Q&A. Right. I, it's not, like I was just I, I, I wasn't physically tired. Like I'd still go to the gym and have a good workout, but I'm mentally drained, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, and, and we and we talk about this occasionally um, that this football is a grind, not just for the coaches and and players, but for but for everybody peripherally associated with it. And it was um, worse this year because we spent the entire off season not knowing what was going to uh, happen and just talking about every you know, just the the continuous talking about COVID and football season and should they play. I mean, honestly, I was kind of mentally drained of it before the before season even, even started. started. I was yeah. like almost tired of football before football even started. Yeah. Now, I, w- I wanted to play. Uh, and I, I'm still glad they played and everything like that, of course. But at the same time, from the very beginning, I was never fully into it just because of how draining the offseason was. So, uh, but for me, watching Khalil Herbert run the football a little bit got me into it. Um, yeah. But going into that, that week, there was a ton of rumors, particularly after they got rolled by uh, Pittsburgh. There were a lot of rumors that uh, there were going to be about 10 opt-outs and a handful of guys were going to enter the transfer portal. And so, you know, what we were told is that Quincy cleaned out his locker right after the pit game. So um, that one was pretty definitive. And we were told a couple other players were thinking about it and told that Simmons was thinking about it. Um, and we were told some some guys were going to go home for Thanksgiving and mull their future. So Right. And one of the heavy rumors was that Darisol was going to opt out, and he has not. He said um, fake news on Twitter when yeah. somebody asked him. <laughs> so uh, – I say this, I don't have any inside knowledge about anything. I just say this. I've been waiting for the not available list for the Clemson game. Mm -hmm. The not available list gets released um, about an hour before the game. And there in the press box, Pete Morris stands up and reads off the list. And a lot of them are injury. Um, If that list gets a lot larger this week, then some guys have quietly opted out. Right. They just haven't put it on Twitter or whatever. Right. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I have no inside knowledge. I got nothing. I'm just saying it's not over until I hear that list on Saturday. Right, exactly. And it'll be some guys who opted out, and they're going to await events to see what happens right after football season. And it's because if they had entered the transfer portal, you know the, that process works. The player goes to the coaches and says, put me in the portal. And I think the coach has 24 or 48 hours to do that. To do it, yeah. Right. So when it comes out that Quincy Patterson and Bowick and, and those guys are in the portal, it's because once they're put in the portal, that, that becomes public. Like, I think 247 has access to the portal. So they see the names every time it comes up, right? But if you just opt out, like, there, there's no portal. Like, you're not required to release those names. As long as you don't say like anything that. publicly, nobody knows. Right, exactly. As long as a guy doesn't announce it on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so... I do expect we'll see some names um, on that unavailable list on on Saturday that we haven't seen there the last few weeks. Um, And they probably won't be – I mean, some of them are going to be injury-related, like Jermaine Waller and people like that, of course. But any new names that pop up, considering Tech only practiced like twice last week, and, you know, I just – I think you can – do some the, math. the the post game <laughs> yeah. questions will be specific. Yes, it'll yeah. be. Can you tell us about so and so? Is he injured? And and you know we'll say what see what Fuente says. That's all assuming that there are new names on the list. If it's a name you're used to seeing, then let's go. Let's rock and roll. Everybody's in. 
Let's rock and roll and talk about this game on Saturday. So number three, Clemson, is a 7.30 kick on ABC inside of uh, Lane Stadium. Again, the lone loss for Clemson was with when they were without Trevor Lawrence, who had tested positive for COVID. It was a double overtime loss to Notre Dame, and the Fighting Irish are unbeaten currently right now. Chris, I want to be straight up here. First of all, we're going to go off of the game preview article as we do each and every uh, podcast. Uh, it's on techsideline.com, the game preview. Highly encourage everybody to read it. Certainly had a little bit of a different tone to it than <laughs> yeah. previous uh, game previews. Would you like to elaborate I, on just what it was like putting this game preview together? I think, you know, I went back and looked at a whole lot of my past previews, and I've been writing game previews for Tech Sideline since 2005. Since he graduated in 2005. Yeah. Or did, did you write them when you were a student? No. I okay. think I did. Yeah, he graduated no, in spring of 2005 and starting in fall of 2005, that's when he wrote. Yes, when I started writing game previews. 15 years. Yeah. and 16 seasons, actually. I, there's only just been a few times before where I picked Virginia Tech to get blown out. Um, and But even then, like, I, one of those games was like the 2013 Alabama game. I think I picked it like 31-10 Alabama. But I thought it would be like – I thought Tech's defense would play well and it would be a gradual 21-point win for Alabama. Yeah, that game you did know? not happen the way I thought it would. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess I thought – I think I picked maybe Miami 31-10 to 10 last year. But even then, you know, you felt like, yeah, Tech's not going to win, but – I, this is just one of those weeks where, like, not only do I not think they're going to win, like, I don't even think it's going to be even close. Mm. So, I don't. I've never felt this way before. I don't think I've ever gone into a football game thinking there's no chance Tech is going to win. And I hate to say that, but it's just not 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 likely. I felt better going into the 2013 Alabama game than I do going, into, do, this going right. into this one. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this because when when the schedule came out. I think Hokie fans immediately saw Clemson come to Lane Stadium right before UVA. What a way to end the season. What do you think the morale of the fan base is going into the game against number three Clemson? Well, it's it's clearly very low. Uh, So have you got the uh, um, preview pulled up? Go down to the bottom and go to the score prediction poll (laughs) and tell me. And and the way we structure these things are you got four choices. Hokies are going to win by 11-plus. Hokies are going to win by 1 to 10. The opposition's going to win by 1 to 10. Or the opposition's going to win by 11 plus. So what percentage of fans who have voted so far are saying that Clemson's going to win by 11 plus? Of the 529 votes that are currently on the game preview, 487 of the 529 What percentage is that? 95%? Well, it looks like 92 percent. 92% of fans voting in the poll think Tech is going to get smoked. That's got to be a record. 90% oh, yeah. have Clemson winning by 11 plus. 2% has Clemson winning by 1 to 10. Right. 5% have the Hokies winning by, one, winning by 1 to 10. And 3% have the Hokies winning by so, 11 So plus. let me tell you about this percent So how many total people picked Tech to win by double digits? 15 digit? people have so, picked so the Hokies me, win me, by double digits. Let me tell you about <laughs> these, these, these polls that, that you run. Some percentage of the answers are utter crap, okay? Mm-hmm. So I was in my buddy Keith Welton's office once several years ago, and we had the what do you think Tech's record is going to be this year poll preseason posted on the site. And I watched him scroll down and click 12-0 and, and, and click vote. 
There's no way. I don't remember what year that was. There's no way Tech's going 12-0, and and Keith's not an idiot. He's a football fan. He knows it. He was just being silly. I think, I think <laughs> the 3% picking Tech to win by 11-plus yeah, are being silly. Yeah, for sure. I'm sorry if you're one of them. <laughs> I don't mean to call you silly, but that's just silly. Now, well, let me ask you this. So I'm reading this game preview, and certainly, again, a little bit of a, of a different tone from Chris, and we talked about it on Monday how we were going to attack this podcast today. I want to ask both of you this. Clemson is the favorite. Clemson is a team that very well can win the national championship. We know how good Trevor Lawrence is. We know how good Travis Etienne is. Will, if Virginia Tech were to pull the upset, Mm -hmm. how will they do it? Uh, I think Chris will probably agree with me on this. Number one, you got to stop the run. Um, And then the other pathway is win the turnover battle, perhaps significantly. And... uh, you know, then the obvious stuff. Don't turn it over much yourself. Don't commit a bunch of dumb penalties and, and get a few big plays. And Tech's not not really a big play offense in the passing game. Um, if they run the right look. So if, if you look at... They are in their in their smoke and mirrors plays. Well, not only that, but Justin Fuente's always got one or two trick plays in there. You know, and... and Remember the trick play against Notre Dame that was called back for an eligible man downfield? Yep. It was a great trick play. I know. You're talking about the one in Lane Stadium, right? That... That was a huge moment in that game, and you, and you go back to the uh, fake punt, the Mitchell Ludwig fake punt in the in the 2016 uh, ACC championship game. Fuente will play that card at some point. He has to play that card more than once, and it has to work each time. The thing is, I think the crazy thing is like every time he's ever played that card, it's worked, right? Except I, yeah, yeah. Um, he's 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 very good at that. He's very good at it. Yeah, yeah. He, and he's very good at as we've talked about on the podcast before. He's very good at picking that moment in a game and and turning the game around. In, Even when Austin Bradburn faked that punt against Wake Forest earlier this year, got it, a little it bit worked. Of momentum no, started. The, the drive still bogged down, but like it worked. Now that, that that's one thing Justin Fuente and his staff are really good at is picking that spot and running the right play. Mm-hmm. So that's my take: stop the run, hit some big plays, win the turnover battle. Yeah, uh, I, Notre Dame held Clemson to I think thirty three rushing yards. And BC pretty much shut down their running game too, and they and Clemson almost lost that game. So, the two teams that either beat them or almost beat them, there was one thing in common: they shut their running game down. So, so, of course, so let me other, jump in here and say, Boston College should have won that game. If Phil Dracovic had kept making the plays he was capable of making, they would have won. Well, so. as we know, he doesn't always do that. That's just who he is, right? right. Uh, the other common denominator there is Trevor Lawrence didn't play. Now, their true freshman backup put up some big, big numbers, no doubt. But yeah, he still, they're not going to lose a lot when he becomes still their starting Trevor quarterback. Lawrence, man, 70% completion rate. 71 points. Uh, future New York Jet. Uh, <laughs> thank you for saying it, Chris. <laughs> we got to find a way to lose out, but thank you for saying it. Great hair. I mean, I mean he is a special player, right? So we know he's going barring some – Born the team bus accidentally leaving him in Clemson, he's he's going to be playing. Did, on did Saturday. I say that the elite eleven that Quincy was at, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence was there also? There, you know? yeah. So that was my first look at him. I'm right, like, man, look at the hair on this kid. Yeah, and, and man, I don't think people realize that like he hadn't been asked to do much running this year, but like last year he ran for over 500 yards and averaged 5.5 yards per carry. He averaged more yards per carry last year than Hendon Hooker's averaging this year. And Hendon's averaging like 5.4 yards a carry. He's having a great year running the football. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence was just as efficient running the football last year, which is would shock most people. But this guy's a complete player. And he's got the most productive running back in ACC history. 
mm-hmm. to hand the ball off to. I mean, it's just yeah. loaded Clemson. What are you going to do? Remember the uh, the semifinal game when Clemson played Ohio State last year, and I don't think a lot of people realized how good of a runner he was. And then he had that ridiculous, I want to say like 70-plus yard rushing touchdown, yeah. which he just beat everybody on the field Ohio State. I mean, they were like, wow, he, he actually does have some wheels. He doesn't have to. Um, but, you know, so, yes, yeah, stop the run, I think, is a prerequisite. Don't turn the ball over yourself. Probably be at least plus two in the turnover margin. Mm-hmm. Generate some kind of big play mm-hmm. on special teams, whether that's on a trick play, whether it's blocking a kick, whether it's maybe finally the finally the punt return game gets going with Tavion Robinson or whoever the heck they decide to put back there this week. Uh, Who, who's the who's the walk-on tight end? They were talking talking. Uh, you, no, you no, remember no, he's a wide receiver. Wide receiver. Uh, yeah, I can't pronounce his last number name. Number forty-seven or forty-nine. He's forty-nine. Yeah, but anyway, uh, I, I I think Tech would have to do all things. Basically, Tech has to play their A Gotta plus play a game, game, and Clemson has to play their C game, and then it might happen. Let me read you. Some- Go ahead. I'll read some numbers real quick just about Trevor Lawrence. Because I think everybody knows how good he is, right? Everybody knows he's a household name. But, I mean, some of the numbers are just eye-popping this year. I mean, last year he completes 65% of his passes, 36 touchdowns to eight picks. This year, as Chris alludes, to 70.6% completion percentage, 19 touchdowns, two picks, and he's averaging 9.8 yards in attempt. That's almost a first town every time he throws the football on average. Every time he drops back, yeah. Um, so, Will, I was actually going to ask this question mm-hmm. because you guys have great perspective on tech history. I've been excited to ask this question. Can you rank maybe the top three or four best quarterbacks to have ever played in Lane Stadium? In Lane Stadium. Because I think, and I'd love to get the YouTube to chime in here. Just pure college quarterbacks or – Famous quarterback. How about famous quarterbacks who played in Lane State? Because I think Trevor Lawrence eventually well, might be on famous. that list. Well, did you see that I actually sort of asked that question on, on Twitter this morning? I actually totally missed that. I yeah, okay. That. So if you go to my Twitter feed, I say, here's a line from our game preview. Trevor Lawrence is the real deal, and he's one of the best quarterbacks any Virginia Tech team has ever faced. Got me to think and name great QBs Tech has faced. Aaron Rodgers in 2003 and Brett Favre. Brett Favre played against Tech twice, not just once, but twice. Tech beat him one time, right? Uh, yeah, we lost in 35-13 in 1988 and beat him 20-16 to in 1990. I think at least one of those was in Lane Stadium. Aaron Rodgers was in a bowl game. And the obvious answer, of course, is Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play in Lane Stadium. So, You know, any of those old Miami quarterbacks that Tech would have faced like I, be- I, believe, I believe that Jim Kelly Jim played Kelly. in Lane Stadium. Oh, he did. That, that he he got knocked in, out of the game. That was the game Mark, in which he got hurt. Yeah, Mark Rick replaced him. His backup was Mark Rick. Yeah. 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 yeah that was, uh, that's your trivia. Some of the names coming in. Christopher says Byron Leftwich. Uh, Ryan, Donovan McNabb. Oh, was there a couple? Did Donovan yeah. McNabb play uh-huh. at uh, Lane Stadium? I assume he did. Oh, yeah. He did. Okay. Yep. Twice. twice. Yeah. He, uh, you know, he got smoked twice in Lane Stadium and then beat Tech twice in the Carrier Dome. Um, it was like the 95 and the 97 games in Lane Stadium were almost identical games, 31-7 to and 31-3. to And then Tech lost the two games in the Carrier Dome against him, one, one in heartbreaking fashion and one in blowout fashion. So so th- those are your guys who pretty who played in Lane Stadium. No, the, the, no, as far as like pure college quarterback, you might be able to throw Sam Howell in there one day. Um, but as far as like pure college quarterbacks, like the, the first guy that comes to mind for me is uh, Ken, Ken Dorsey, the 2001 Miami quarterback. 
I've never been on the his 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 train though because it, he he never got touched. His he never got touched. Offensive but, line was incredible. Well, so was Trevor Lawrence's. Yeah, but uh, Trevor's not a bean pole. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but you know, for, for for what Dorsey was at the time, yeah. like the numbers he put up for the and time was great just teams, insane. Yeah. 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 So, so Lawrence has a big arm, and as we just alluded to, he is mobile enough to to move out of the pocket and tuck in and run if he needs to. Chris, what what's more important for Justin Hamilton's defense on Saturday? Is it to drop as many back in coverage as possible? Is it bringing pressure on him? I mean, what's the what is the best way to try to contain Trevor Lawrence and maybe try to attack him? I mean, I <laughs> I think I don't think sitting back playing zone. I don't think that this Tech team is any good at zone. At least, well, not, at least not without a spring practice. Not only that, but many of the passes they throw to ETN are behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. The ones that they throw to, who's their big-time receiver? Uh, Amari Rodgers. Yeah. The ones they throw to Amari Rodgers are really close to the line of scrimmage. If you drop back in zone, they're just going to eat you up. Oh, with, yeah. With the, then you have to go up and tackle. Right. Which Tech is not particularly good at, apparently. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I would try to get as physical as possible with their receivers and, and throw off their timing and things like that. I just don't think some kind of zone coverage is, is going to confuse Trevor Lawrence at all. He's just going to pick it apart. I think the only the only thing you could possibly do is play really tight physical coverage and try to throw off the timing. Um, <clears throat> I think that's the best way to go about it. Not that that would work, but I think it's a better option than just sitting back in zone all day. Well, it's and it's supposed to be cold and possibly wet, you know, and, and you never know when a team will come in here and just not play well. 50% yeah. chance of rain on Saturday, by the way, in Blacksburg. It's supposed to rain all day Friday as well. So yeah. could be one of those wet, cold December days. Um, but by the same token, Clemson has a lot at, at, uh, at stake. Yeah. Th- this isn't one of those games where uh, they don't really have anything to play for. Right. Right. If they lose, they might not make the college football playoff. Right. They already have oh, that yeah. one loss. Yeah, exactly. Like, they have to win out. Oh, by the way, this is new. Total change of subject. The Knight Commission calls for a body separate from the NCAA to oversee FBS football. So it's basically, this is from Twitter. Hmm. But uh, and this is an official. This is someone who's verified. I have no. no and what idea is who the is. Knight Commission again? Exactly. Honestly, don't know. But I've heard people <laughs> people talk about it a lot of times before. Yeah. Uh, the Knight Commission recommendation number one: uh, create. A uh, new separate entity to govern the sport of FBS football, completely independent of the NCAA, funded by the college football playoff revenues. Governs the sport of football currently operating operating at the F, FBS level. Conducts all FBS football operations, including its national championship. Manage all issues related to FBS football athletic excuse me, football athlete education, health, safety, revenue, distribution, litigation, eligibility, and enforcement. That's a lot. That's a lot. So basically, the NCAA continues on doing what it's doing now, except regulating college football as we know it. They continue to regulate FCS, the NCAA basketball tournament. They just keep their hands off of college football, which honestly is fine with me because they're not doing anything to regulate right now. Reg- regulate it right now, anyway. Well, you've wanted a college football czar for years. Yeah, a guy, a guy who actually runs college football. That yeah. that wouldn't a be co- a guy. It would probably be an organization. That's yeah. fine. I mean, something. I mean, we've seen this sport go from it's the most anti-American sport in America, as far as the lack of parity. Mm-hmm. I mean, American lack of opportunity for the underprivileged. I mean, American sports 
historically, I mean, professionally, the rules are set up the way they are for parity. So the t- same team, so the Yankees don't win the World Series every year because yeah. they've got so much more money than everybody else, right? Uh, so the Cowboys don't win the Super Bowl every year because they've got so much more money. Than Evan's looking else. at his outline for the show, and he's like, oh, saw, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> I was actually, this is what I do. You you finish your thought, and okay. I was going to, no, no. And, I was, but, it's interesting. But yet college football has been allowed to to become like a European soccer league. Like the French league has been won by the same team for like 10 years in a row. No. They, you know, it's things like that. Uh, so I I definitely don't like where college football has been trending over the last decade or so. And the NCAA has done nothing, nothing about it. And I don't know that like a, a new committee who to take it over would do anything about it. I have no idea. But I, I don't... The NCAA is clearly not, so why not try something else? So, so there, there are a number of issues with, with college football, of course, and one of them is that while the college football playoff has been good for money and, and good for interest to some degree, it's becoming the Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State Invitational, mm-hmm. where they they play in it every year. And Those they, three they, and then pick a random They fourth. invite somebody <laughs> to join them. Well, so that creates a giant sucking sound where every decent recruit goes to those three schools. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm being dramatic here. Clearly not every decent re- recruit goes to those three schools. But it also kills interest at the lower level. As recently as 10 years ago, Virginia Tech had a shot at playing for a national championship. In 2011, nine years ago, Virginia Tech went into that ACC championship game ranked third or fifth or something like that. And there is not a Virginia Tech fan these days who can see a path for, no. and, and it's not just a Virginia Tech thing. This is oh, happening to a lot 2007. of 2007. Remember the last, you know, Kansas and Missouri have a big rivalry, right? And at the end of that year, they were like number two and number three or something yeah, like 2007. that. Yeah, 2007. And I think if, if like, if Kansas had won that game, then Kansas would have played for the national championship maybe, but Missouri beat them. It was some, some crazy if thing. If K-State had just like beaten that. Texas A&M one year, they would have played for a national right, championship. Right, right, right. And... That's, Boise State, if they'd taken care of business, would have played for a national championship. Yeah, that's that's just uh, it's just not the same anymore. And quite frankly, it's I've grown disinterested with the sport because of it. Like, like I was actually telling my personal trainer this morning, I like I don't even see like the point of being in the same division as like the Clemson's and Ohio State's and things like the that. The same classification, same classifications. I know in the nineteen seventies. You know, it was just Division One. There was no FCS or FBS. It was just Division One, and then they did the split between one A and one Double A. So your Virginia Techs and Florida States of the world went one A, and your William and Marys of the world went one Double A. Richmond. I guarantee you, guarantee you that the, that the financial gulf, from a percentage standpoint, right now is bigger between Virginia Tech and Ohio State than it was between Virginia Tech and William and Mary back in the nineteen seventies when that split happened. Yeah, Bill Roth has has a thing that he tells me and Chris when we talk to him where he says, if you look at the ranking of revenue of the Power 5 schools, Virginia Tech is, there There are 65 Power 5 schools, and you can look up revenue for something like 54 of them, or 50, 52 to 54, those are the ones that report. Mm-hmm. Virginia Tech clocks in at about 40 or 42, and Bill always says, Virginia Tech's much closer to being at the bottom than they are being in the top 20. Correct. So for Virginia Tech to go from number 42 in revenue to the top 20 would take something like 40 or $50 million more in revenue. But to drop back down to last would take a, a loss of like $20 million. Right. 
Um, so anyway, if, and, and another thing, and this is completely random that, that those people might be able to fix is, and I'm telling you, this is random. You watch the Mac. The Mac is being killed by weekday games. The Mac will go the entire month of November without playing any Saturday games mm-hmm. because of television. They play on Tuesday and Wednesday night, and that is slaughtering the fan bases for those oh, schools. Gosh. Ten years from now, they won't have any fans because nobody will have ever been to see their games. They never will have tailgated. Right. You know, so the, there's a lot of issues facing college. And not only that, but if 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 Alabama commits an, a violation and Virginia Tech commits a violation, they need to be punished equally, and that does not happen in today's NCAA structure. Well, they're not punished at all in today's NCAA structure. Every, I mean, you, it's a joke. Every time somebody gets their wrist slap every summer, you, you always say, oh, they lose a couple scholarships, not allow this many visits. Oh, and here's a $25,000 fine. Like, these rules were made in the decades ago when $25,000 was a lot of money to an athletic department. If you really want to get them to stop cheating, find them $10, $20 million or something like that, right? Well, you look at what the Big Ten did in their overreaction to the Penn State situation. They fined them $60 million, if I remember correctly. Right. That was payable over the course of two, three, four, five, six years or whatever. Right. But um, they later walked back on that. Right, right, right. Now, if you want to punish... Ole Miss for hiring Hugh Freeze and his recruiting scandals and everything like that, then you find them millions of dollars, right? Otherwise, they're just going to do it again. And you look at the the UNC situation, the academic situation. The NCAA basically threw their hands up in the air and said, yep, they did something really, really wrong, and there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do about it. Because Uh, of our stupid rules. So... Now, I don't know that this new thing would even go that that direction. Maybe they go the exact opposite direction and they just say everything's legal. But at any rate, rate, I don't know why the MAC even tries. Why do they stay at 85 scholarships? And I I know that that they – to stay at 85 scholarships means they have to play those games in Tuesday, Wednesday night just to get enough TV money to pay for their scholarships thanks to the increased cost of education in this country, right? So they have to do that. Mm -hmm. Why don't they just – I don't know why they why schools keep up the pre, pretense. Like, why are they even still competing at the FBS level? Why don't they just drop to sixty three scholarships, start playing their games on Saturdays, so their fans can enjoy it? Because they have it's not like they have any chance to win the national championship. All right, There's, let's sorry. Let's, anyway, let's, get let's back talk on about Clemson again. I am actually thoroughly enjoying uh, the uh, yeah. The, we could keep conversation. Going. This yeah. could be a podcast itself. Thanks for bringing that up, Chris. That is news. Um, we talked about how great Trevor Lawrence has been this year. Completion percentage over 70%. He'll be one of the uh, – arguably will win the Heisman this year. So, really good quarterback. Travis Etienne, ACC's all-time leading rusher. And, again, to harp on the point to wrap up the offense, we could talk about Amari Rodgers being a great receiver. We could talk about their tackles being two of the best tackles in the ACC. But, Will, it seems like the point here for Tech, if they want to slow down Clemson, it's going to have to start with slowing down the rushing attack of Travis Etienne, like Boston College did, like Notre Dame did. Is that fair to say? Correct. And, uh, you know, it's not like Virginia Tech runs a high-paced offense, but they will also slow the game down offensively. Um, try to keep it close. You know, it's the, the classic Frank Beamer thing of of how when you have less talent, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. You shorten the game. It's the equivalent of – you know, uh, uh, passing the ball around the perimeter in basketball before the uh, shot clock. So, yeah. Well, 
Virginia Tech's had a lot of success in games this year on offense. Khalil Herbert has statistically proven why he's one of the best running backs in the country. How can he fare against the Clemson Tigers on Saturday? We answer that question next and talk about the Clemson defense. We're going to step aside for a break when we come back. More Virginia Tech football and later your questions here on episode 155 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by Southeast Regional Training Center and Campus Emporium. Welcome back into episode 155 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, presented by Southeast Regional Training Center, Campus Emporium. Great to have you with us as we record on Thursday afternoon, December 3rd. Evan Hughes alongside of Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, and Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. All right, we just talked about Clemson's prolific offense, but this Tigers defense might be one of the best Brent Venables has had in his tenured time, his long time uh, at Clemson as a defensive coordinator. Look at the pro football focus grades for the Tigers and how they rank in the ACC. Overall, Chris, number one. Mm-hmm. Rushing, number one. I guess. Number one. Number one. Tackling, number, number four. four. Number four. Yeah. Pass rush, number one. Number one. And coverage, number, number three one. Or four. Number, number four. Number four. Okay, oh. so again, I they were all number one. They're the number one overall defense, and they're the number one overall defense in stopping the run. And this in is in the, the ACC. ACC, right? Okay. Now, I want to read you a couple of numbers because I feel like for Tech to win this game, they're going to have to score some points on offense. Uh, would is agree that fair with to that say? Statement. I think it's uh, extremely so fair to say. So, the Tigers, these are the opponents this year that they've played and what they have held them to on the ground. Wake, 37 yards rushing. The Citadel, 86 yards rushing. UVA, 147. Miami, 89 yards. Georgia Tech, 123 yards. Syracuse, 150 yards. Boston College, 67 yards. Notre Dame ran for over 200 yards against Notre Clemson. Dame might be the real deal. Notre but, Dame's good, yeah. But then how did Brent Venable's defense bounce back after surrendering 200 yards rushing against Pittsburgh? They allowed the Panthers to 16 yards <laughs> That's rushing. Pitta. So, Will, it feels like Khalil Herbert's going to have to have somewhat of a big game for the Hokies to compete with the Tigers. And the offensive line, the tech offense – the rushing attack, they're going to have their hands full. There's no question. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you do about that. The one thing you haven't mentioned is that uh, in in the ACC, the three starting linebackers for Clemson are ranked as the top three linebackers by PFF in the entire ACC. So if you got three starting linebackers for 15 teams, that's 45 linebackers, and the Clemson linebackers are one, two, three. Um, and we've run into a situation this year where you take Miami, for example. Miami had some really good defensive ends, bad linebacker play. Right. And, and we, we have not run into a defense that, that, that is this complete at the, at the front seven. That has seven. no weakness, right? Yeah, really. and, and also in the four on the back end, too. Pitt, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, Pitt's pretty darn good. Uh, not, not quite Clemson good, of course, but, yeah. but they're still pretty darn good. Um, so I, I don't know uh, – I don't know what what uh, what tech can unlock, what what key they can use to unlock and get get the running game going again. I I'm still even though they said Khalil Herbert was 100% against Pitt, I'm still not convinced. His his burst, his speed wasn't there. Um, so it'll have to be there against Clemson, and somehow they'll. I I think he's a guy that that can make people miss when he's 100% healthy. So. Chris, I typically ask this question a lot, and I'll ask it again. For Virginia Tech's offense, 
Give me one player that has to play well besides Hendon Hooker for the Hokies to hang in there with Clemson and potentially upset oh, the Tigers. I would definitely say Herbert. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have balance. You know, Notre, Notre Dame beat Clemson because they were balanced. Boston College was in the game because they were throwing the ball, but they could never establish a running game. And they lost that game by six. If they could have just had a little bit of balance, they probably would have won. Um, so balance is going to be key. I, I, I just... I don't know why. Now, granted, this is Pitt's game plan against everybody, but against Virginia Tech, it just seems like just man up on the outside, play physical against Tech's receivers, and shut down the run. Like, Let put, the put, front put, seven do their thing. Yeah. I mean, Tech's offensive line is really, really, really good. Um, generally, when they fail, it's because of a numbers advantage on the defense. But, like, like they didn't look like they had a good game against Pitt, but there was always one or two extra guys than they would normally face with the Pitt defense because Pitt just didn't respect the passing game, and they shouldn't because it's not good. So, like, I think Tech, this is a game, yeah, they have to be balanced. I think, I think they, need, they have to go out and show they can throw the ball early to have a chance to run the ball, in which case they can be balanced. I don't think they can go out there and, and just, know, start ju- just start ru- running Khalil Herbert because I think uh, if Clemson's smart, that's going to be their number one plan is to take him out of the game early on. So I think Tech needs to actually come out throwing in this mm-hmm. game. Uh, if they don't show that they can throw the football early in the game, then I don't think they have any chance in the world to, to move the football consistently. And I Clemson. don't mean throwing it 50 yards down the field on first down. Correct. We mean uh, the thing that they cannot do, or they have not been able to do all year, a traditional passing game. Yeah. So, and, and and that was the thing. Like, I, I said going into the bye week, you know, there were a couple different ways you could approach it. You know, you you could take most of the time off, get bodies healed up and everything like that. Or you could really attack it and make up for lost time in the sprint that you lacked because of no spring practice. So whatever development Hendon Hooker was going to make in the, in, in the spring that he couldn't make, we'll try to get some of that in right now. And they chose to get healthy instead. And Well, Thanksgiving messed things up. You know, kids went home. Don't let them go home. It's big-time college football. Right. The, the, you never let them go home. They always play in UVA this week anyway, right? Solid point. Um, it's sorry, you don't let. It, uh, <laughs> I mean, if if you've got a bowl game right after Christmas, you don't go home for Christmas. Well, this could mushroom into a whole buy-in discussion where you well, know, correct. You know, they lost forty-seven fourteen to Pitt. And... Oh yeah. Well, no. Look, look. Here, I'm I'm saying. All right. I'm not saying they made the wrong decision because I I think whatever decision gotcha. okay I, well I think whatever decision they made wasn't going to lead to them beating Clemson. I'm, I'm more worried about you know whether they beat UVA or not. Quite frankly, yeah. like this team's been so up and down all year. One week they play well, one week they play bad. Most of the games they're just kind of mediocre, to be honest with you. But like, let's say they have one really good game left in them. Which one would you rather it be? The Clemson game or the UVA game? I would pick the UVA game because a really good game against UVA probably wins the game, but a really good game against Clemson still probably doesn't win it because Clemson's so good. I mean, if you just think what how good Clemson is offensively, like that Pitt defense is good. Yeah, and Clemson just went out and shredded them like they were. Well, they had they had thirty one points in the first quarter. Yeah, like they were nothing. Like I was saying, you have to be able to throw the ball to beat Pitt. 
and Tech obviously couldn't do it. And you got to be able to throw the ball to to have a chance to to beat Clemson too. Yeah, that's what I, I feel like Herbert is the obvious answer, and I should pick that if I could go a one and maybe like one B. I feel like James Mitchell has to be a, a vital part of this offense on Saturday for Virginia Tech. Well, to me, he feels like he is that safety blanket for Hendon Hooker in the passing game. He's he's missed a couple of games due to an injury. Hopefully he's back on Saturday. But to me, he's that extra element in the passing game that Hooker needs. It's a legit question how healthy he is. You know, um, I I think James is a guy that you're going to find out at the end of the season, hopefully not before then, that he's really been playing hurt. Got hurt in that Liberty game. Or not Liberty, Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. And he came back in to recover the onside kicks, but he had gotten hurt earlier in that game and had come up limping and everything. Yeah. Yeah. But he's been pretty banged up. Well, so, so it's not like he's going to go out and catch eight or ten passes and have 150 yards and three touchdowns. I just I just don't think he's healthy enough. Love to be wrong. That's the perfect insight right there from Will Stewart and Chris <laughs> Coleman. Absolutely love that. That's the beauty of the podcast. Okay. All right, let's transition here. Let's 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 get into some predictions, and then we're going to have some time to get into your questions on YouTube Live, and I've got a couple on Twitter. Is this the best team Virginia Tech has faced since – Ohio State in 2015. Did Ohio State end up winning the title in 2015? They did not. They won it the year they prior. They won the year before. When Tech beat them in Columbus. This is the right. team. Wasn't, wasn't that the Deshaun Watson year that, that uh, Clemson won in 2015? I believe it was 16. 16. I think okay. they lost to Alabama. Because we almost beat them in 16. They lost in 15 to Alabama. They beat Alabama in 16. Right. They lost in the semis in 17. With Here we go again about all the national championships. Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State, right? No yeah. parity. Yeah, that's all, that's all yeah. I mentioned. So. Yeah. so I was thinking about it. There are a couple teams that you can bring up. You can look at the Clemson team that Virginia Tech played in the ACC championship game in 2016. That was without Deshaun Watson. That was with Kelly Bryant. No, that was 2017 with Kelly Bryant. 2016 right. was, Deshaun was Deshaun Watson. Watson. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, not not the 2017 team because Kelly Bryant wasn't that good throw. of a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And Notre Dame in 2018 pass. was a good team, but not that good. Right. Not as good as they are this year. Um, maybe the 2016 Clemson team. No, it had Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Like you were saying. Yeah. I would. I would say since that team. Uh, uh, you know, you could make an argument: fourteen Ohio State, fifteen Ohio State, or sixteen Clemson. In my opinion, uh, seventeen Clemson was really, really good everywhere. Except and Kelly Bryant, it's not like he was a bad quarterback. Like Kelly Bryant was pretty much going to win every game on their schedule, except for Alabama. So and that's, that's exactly what, that, what happened. So that that's why they benched him for Trevor Lawrence when Lawrence was a true freshman. Lawrence could beat Alabama. Yeah, and he did. Yeah. Well, here are the final thoughts section of Chris's preview. He says, I don't know if I've ever picked the Hokies to get blown out before, at least not as badly as I'm about to do so in this article. I went through a lot of our game previews, and here are a couple you came up with. In 2012, you picked Florida State to beat Virginia Tech 34-6. In 2013, you picked Alabama 31-7. And last year, you picked Miami 31-10. Chris, what is your prediction for this game? Oh, gosh, I think I picked it 47-17. to yeah, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment spending part of my afternoon researching <laughs> games that I thought Virginia Tech was going to lose badly. <laughs> That's not fun. But, uh, yeah, I just I just don't see it, man. I, I think Lawrence is – I actually don't think Clemson is qu- is quite as good overall as they normally are. Mm. Uh, um, I think they're really, really good, don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're quite as good across the board 
as they were two, three, four years ago. But I think Lawrence is so good that you don't notice it, really. You, you don't notice it as much. Uh, and I just... Have you seen any evidence at all from Virginia Tech this year that they have any hope of slowing down Trevor Lawrence? I just... I, I don't... I can't imagine it happening. And and I just I just don't think Tech is balanced enough offensively. Um, I think they'll probably make a few plays offensively that, that'll that'll impress you here and there, but I, I just don't don't know that they'll be able to consistently move the ball. Uh, I think you know the final scores. I think is I'm picking somewhere right around what the pit game was, mm-hmm. but the pit game was like a slow death. Tech was very much in that game halfway through the third quarter, right? I don't think it's going to be that way this time. I think Clemson's going to get control early, and the second half is just going to be like a running the clock out type deal. So I don't know that I've ever picked Tech to lose by more than about 20 points. Although I picked 35-10 to 10 in the Alabama game in 2013. You took UCLA to beat Tech in the 2013 Sun Bowl, 30-13. UCLA won 42-12. to 12. Yeah. Um so for me to to, to go with fifty six seventeen, that's almost forty points. That's fifteen point fourteen points, two touchdowns higher. So if you go back to twenty thirteen, I picked the eventual national champion Alabama Crimson Tide. I think they won that year. Uh, hard to keep track, isn't it? They did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I picked them to beat Tech thirty five to ten, and and I'm going with this Clemson team to beat Tech by two more touchdowns than that. No. But 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 I I thought I thought man I think I think Clemson's going to roll Tech I'm like well don't be a wimp man pick it just pick it big time fifty six seventeen I, I I'll tell you a story when Clemson played the Citadel this year and uh, you know I didn't actually look this up to confirm it but it's what it's what somebody called me and told me and he's in a position where he would know and it sounds about right Clemson's beating the Citadel forty nine to nothing earlier this year and they asked the Citadel coach if he wanted to like shorten the quarters or play with a running, running clock, clock in the second yeah. half and he said no we came here to play 60 minutes of football <laughs> 49 nothing Clemson at halftime right well Dabo respected that and Clemson beat them 49 to nothing That's that right. was the score at the end of the game Clemson chose not to score in the second half Dabo likes Justin Fuente he almost hired him as their offensive coordinator at one point when Years he hired ago. Chad Morris yeah. so like I don't think you you could also kind of make the argument maybe that the Citadel might tackle better, <laughs> so, which is sad to say. I don't know. I don't but, know, dude. I don't um, know. But you're we're splitting hairs at this point. Is Tech going to allow forty seven points or fifty six points? Is what right. basically what we're arguing about. So so Clemson's only gone over fifty twice against ACC teams. They beat Georgia Tech seventy three to seven, and they beat Pitt fifty two to seventeen. So I'm just looking for a little bit worse beating than what they gave Pitt. <laughs> Score a touchdown instead of kicking a field goal at some point. Let's go ahead and dive into some YouTube live questions, <laughs> shall we? Please. We're about an hour and seven minutes into the podcast. Let me go ahead to the top. Let's see. Um, question from Luke Hamley about wrestling. Are you guys going to cover wrestling more this season? Just asking since the schedule was released today. Did oh, it was. I huh? it was released today. Okay. How about that? I'll go look it up right now. That's uh, But we, absolutely, I think we will be covering. We'll be bringing them up on the podcast. I can... Hmm, we have to hum, we have to come up with a plan because I was going to have Jake cover wrestling for us, 
and now we got Jake covering basketball. That doesn't mean he can't do both to, to some degree. Um, Jake is so prolific. Like yesterday, I asked him if he wanted to write a VMI preview, and like an hour and a half later, he had finished a VMI preview. <laughs> Jake Lyman's a stud. <laughs> he is. But you know, he's, he's, a, he's also doing Tech, Tive, Tech Talk live notes for us. So anyway, we'll, we'll get that figured out. Um, I, I felt like, you know, and, and a lot of people who follow our site follow wrestling a lot more closely than I personally do. I felt like last year was just kind of Virginia Tech biding their time. Tony Robbins been doing a really good job recruiting, but you know I, th- I think I, I've I, and I felt like with Makai Lewis taking time out to train and and not wrestling last year, I just felt like last year was just kind of you know I think Tech's going to be good, but but really it's this year and the coming years where where things are really going to start to bear fruit. Um, so I'm not answering the question. Uh, I'm kind of caught off guard, but I'm glad the schedule is finally released. We'll take a look at it. Absolutely. So, all right, Mikhail Lewis redshirted his first year, right? Yes. And then, yeah. he, and then he took an Olympic red shirt last year, right? And this year doesn't count for anybody, right? Mikhail Lewis could potentially be like a seventh year senior for. He could wrestle State. till he's twenty five years he old. He could. Man. He could. I'm telling you, man. But yes, I, I would. You know a lot more about it than me, but like. I like the fact that that dude's like a redshirt sophomore, but yet is still like he's not all that experienced a wrestler because he's only wrestled he's only competitively. Although the redshirt the guys, they do wrestle. They do wrestle yeah. in other events that, that don't count. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The unattached stuff, but uh, which is still great experience, and you know, get to wrestle against other unattached wrestlers from other schools. Yeah, guys, yeah. yeah, it does seem like that. Uh, this kind of seems to be like that. This could be. It's always a good year for Virginia Tech wrestling, but it seems like it could be even better this year. I, so one of the things I'll be looking for in the coming three to five years is, and, and Tony Roby might smack me for hearing me say this, I think the first step for Virginia Tech wrestling is to dominate the ACC. And by dominate, I mean win it three or four out of what? the next five years. Well, uh, right. I'll tell you what. Establish dominance in this conference and then really start thinking about it. NC State is a top five program. Uh, it's top ten. Well, Tech's top ten. ACC is just here, unreal. Here's what's difficult recruiting against NC State right now because of that stupid North Carolina State law. NC State can recruit wrestlers from Pennsylvania and Ohio or wherever and count them towards in-state tuition. Right. So it, it's it's less of a financial burden on those kids to go to NC State than it is to Virginia yeah. Tech. So that's a big recruiting disadvantage. And these guys are on partial right scholarships. Right, right. They're not on full if scholarships. they were all on full like scholarships, it wouldn't matter. But for yeah. anything besides football or or the, the two basketballs, mm-hmm. it's partial scholarships. So they're paying their own way partially. And if they go to NC State, it's less money they have to pay. So, so that North, that state law in the state of North Carolina that we've that we've been talking about with regards to UNC football and saving money, but it actually helps sports like NC State wrestling, NC State baseball, which all is really good. All those things that yeah. the, the Carolina schools are good at. Yeah. All right, here we go. And, and I remember talking to Tony Roby one time, and Tony just he said to me, "NC State gives a lot of institutional support." which tells me they're getting, I don't know, academic grants or something mm-hmm. like that. It, it, it's, it's a tough road to hold. But anyway, take control of the ACC, and then that's when I'll really start thinking about a team national championship. All right, so we've got a, bu- we've got a bunch of questions to get in about nine minutes. So rapid fire here, okay? Here we go. Um, first one, Michael Watson, did the no spring practice hurt Quincy more than any other player on the team this season? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the original questions we got is – 
like back when COVID hit and spring got canceled. Um, I think one of the questions we got is which quarterback will this help the most? Will this favor the most? And Hendon. My my answer at the time was Hendon because you know Hendon needed to develop, of course, but but at the same time the coaches knew who Hendon was. And Bur- you know the other two quarterbacks, Braxton Burmeister, had never been in the system before. He definitely needed the spring, and he didn't get it. And Quincy is such a raw player. You know, he needs to have as much development time as he can get, and he didn't get and it. And he didn't get it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that the, the, the lack of spring hurt Quincy. At least I guess it hurt Quincy. I mean, Tech's quarterbacks really haven't been developing under Cornelson anyway. Yeah. So, I understood. I, <laughs> a question from JPCVT. What should Tech fans make of Witt's silence on how the 2020 season has gone? Witt has been quick to address football concerns in the past. I believe he said something after the 2019 Duke game about the results not being acceptable, and he handled the media regarding Fuente's uh, dalliance with Baylor, etc. So he made a comment after the Duke game last year, but that was made in a private setting and then leaked out. He didn't. I don't remember him making a public statement. Correct. And the Baylor thing he dealt with afterwards. So... Um, I'm, I'm actually going to – I've been critical of Witt for not communicating more with the fan base on a more regular basis. That's a general statement I always make, and that's kind of a Virginia Tech issue in general. But in this particular situation, I'm going to be in his corner because I despise when athletic directors come out and say, so-and-so is our coach and he has our full support, and then they fire him. Six weeks later. Well, it's just like a coach who said, oh, I'm not interested in leaving, and two days later he takes another job. That's a load of crap. Just keep your yeah, mouth yeah, shut. Yeah, yeah, just like anything you can say right now. It's just going to make gonna, people mad. It's not going to be worth spitting <laughs> the way. Exactly. Like, yeah, then you could come out with a statement saying, this isn't good enough for Virginia Tech football, and we're going to fix it at the end of the season, blah, blah, blah. And then people are going to be like, okay, well, how are you going to fix it? And it's just going to get accompanied by Fire Fuente. Right. Hashtag Fire Fuente. all of them on Twitter, you know. So, Or if you come out and say, oh, I, when Justin Fuente is our football coach, no matter what, blah, blah, blah. And then people are going to be all over you for that. Well, then you're not getting so, my money. Right, exactly. So... <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's anything you can say during the season. So I don't make anything of it. To yeah, answer yeah, the question. Um, I, I, yeah. I don't make anything of it at this point. You you rarely see statements that actually mean anything get made during the course yeah. of the season. Yeah. Question from one of Malcolm's fraternity brothers that I was given <laughs> in the middle of the break as I pull out my phone. Uh, Will is his name, right? Malcolm. Right. Will. He writes. Okay, so the talent gap between Virginia Tech and Clemson is huge. If the talent gap wasn't there and Virginia Tech recruited just like them, would Clemson still be better than Virginia Tech because of their ability to develop players for the NFL? Man, that's a loaded question. Oh, uh, you know, uh, I I like that question. Uh, sometimes you can't tell. Like, sometimes you think you have a talent problem, but is it really a talent problem or is it a player development problem? Like, some people would look and say the Hokies have a talent problem, I would agree in certain spots that, that, that they could do better, of course. But, like, I think they could be more talented for sure, like defensive tackle for, for the scheme and things like right. that. But I, I look at a guy like – and obviously, like, they, losing Farley to opt out, they could be more talented at corner because that hurt. Uh, but when I look – like, I think Alan Tisdale is an NFL player or has, an, or has NFL talent. Potential. NFL potential, but he's only 210 pounds. Right. If Alan Tisdale played at Clemson, would he be 230 pounds right now? Uh, I mean, I think 
player development on the offensive line is excellent. Like, but there's prob there's at least all right. Both tackles are going to play in the NFL. I figured Nestor probably will at some point. I mean, three or four of these current guys could end up in the NFL one day of Tech starting offensive linemen, which is an extremely high percentage for for one group of starters. Yeah, it really is. Um, that's like 1996 Virginia Tech offensive line in terms of talent. Those guys have buy-in and they're well coached and they've been developed, right? So, like, if if there was buy-in, as much buy-in amongst Tech's linebackers as a group, because Dax is clearly bought in, right? But I'm mm-hmm. saying as a group, but would, would, would we be sitting there seeing a 230-pound Tisdale and, you're, and you just have a completely different view of things, right? In a, in a general sense, let me answer it this way. The, the, the Clemson program, particularly now, is to the point where they have much more support and infrastructure. And I'm not talking about their buildings. I'm talking about the number of support people and analysts and such that they have. And like, what if every football player on your team got his own coach? That's an extreme example. (laughs) That would mean that you have 85 guys, each individually coaching players. It's not that extreme, but Clemson does have more. So they're able to provide more personal attention and development for each individual player, simply because their operation is larger and better staffed. So the answer to the question is, is kind of yes. If the two teams are basically equal and one of them has more support and staffing, they're going to tend to be the superior team. Right. Or the more developed On game day, the more developed team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I I would pretty much agree with that. Uh, Not to suggest that Tech is is talented as Clemson because that's that's nowhere close to being true. But sometimes it's it's hard to tell how talented a team is. Guys in a smaller system might flounder more than they do in a larger system. Right. Interesting question. Um, okay, two fun ones. Let's close with some fun. Okay. Jersey Hokie 29. By the way, one of my favorite Twitter accounts. Do you, you follow Jersey Hokie 29? Yep. But he yeah, is good. big supporter of tech wrestling. I don't know that I follow him, but I see, him, I see his but, stuff all the time. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. He writes, if Will and Chris could bring back one past Hokie player, not named Michael Vick or Bruce Smith, and start them against Clemson. Mm-hmm. Who would they want and why assume past player is at their college performance level, pro improvement, pro improvement not factored in? Sure. Okay, so peak college. My answer would certainly be Tyrod. Um, oh, man, he beat me to the end. Okay, answer. well, and I'll give my reasoning for that. Like, yes, I would love to have Tim settle against Clemson, or I would love to, I would love to have – Brandon Flowers locking down one side of the field. I think Brandon Flowers is the best cornerback in Virginia Tech history. He can make a huge difference in a game like this. But ultimately, I don't think one defensive player, if you throw into this game, one pass Tech defensive player would mm-hmm. would flip the scales at all. So then you got to like, go to offense. So you have to go to offense, and what's the one position where one player can make the biggest difference, and that's quarterback. And and if you put Tyrod at quarterback, and this is no slight to Hendon Hooker, but if you put Tyrod at quarterback and everything else went well, you got a couple turnovers out of Clemson, special teams went well, and Tyrod had a Tyrod, a peak Tyrod game. If Tyrod has like a 2010 Florida State ACC championship mm-hmm. game type game, then you could potentially pull it off. So that, I picked Tyrod because he's the best player not named Michael Vick at quarterback. And like one defensive player isn't going to make a difference. So like, 
And not like not even like a wide receiver would make a difference because the wide right. receiver needs someone to throw them the ball. Like Andre David Davis wouldn't do you much good in this game. Jaden right. Payton wouldn't do you much good in this right. game. So uh, for me, uh, agree with all that. Just think about what a difference Gerard Evans made in the 2016 mm. ACC championship game. He he kind of picked that team up on his back there for a while in that game. Not to take away from what the other guys did. My first thought was Ryan Williams, and then I went to Tyrod for the reasons that Chris listed. Mm. I I think that. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm tempted to go this. I, I'm, I'm going to pick Eddie Royal. I don't know why. Punt return, I think, like you said, if Tech could right. get something going in special teams and Eddie Royal back there. Now, this coaching staff could use him in the slot the way he should have been used. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely true. And you yeah. put Eddie Royal next to Trey Turner. I don't know why. That's the name that jumped out to me was Eddie Interesting. Royal. So, okay, last one from Sean D. Taylor, piggybacking off of Jersey Hokie 29's question. <laughs> Similar question, but one Hokie family in the same scenario. What Hokie family tandem would you pick if you could start them against Clemson, i.e. Fullers, Edmonds, the Chungs, Vicks, who would you pick? Oh, boy. Well, I feel like the Vicks might be super, I mean, of course, because yeah. you get Michael there, but I mean, think about it. What what tandem of family would you use? <laughs> uh, gosh, you need so much to beat Clemson, so I can only pick one family. <laughs> uh, the outside pick, I, like I I would really love to, like, this is going to sound really, really weird, and it's going to be a pick that nobody else would pick. But I think for Virginia Tech to win this game, they have to uh, stop Clemson's running game, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You're going to pick the Martins. I wasn't going to pick the Martins. Orion Martin and Cam Martin. (laughs) No, because, you know, Tech already has a couple good defenses. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Uh Shamari Connor's good enough to help in the running game at Whip, which is where Cam Martin played. I'm going to pick the Lewis brothers, your defensive tackle. Get big John Lewis in there at 310 pounds. Uh, do your best to make Clemson one-dimensional. Uh, for this, So for this particular matchup, I would pick the Lewis brothers, Jonathan and Kevin Lewis. Uh, any other... Like just randomly, generally speaking, I would probably pick the Edmonds brothers or the Fullers. You can't go. I, I would with go with the Fullers because you, you'd too. get a corner, you'd get an NFL quality linebacker, and you'd get a receiver that could help. How much? I don't. Hold know. a whole linebacker. Uh, oh, I'm thinking the Edmonds. Yeah, yeah. You just pick two corners and a wide. But receiver. so you get Kendall and Kyle, who are Pro Bowl level yeah, corners. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Okay. So right. So uh, so I was thinking about the Edmonds at first, and I transitioned to the Fullers, and that's how my brain got it mixed up. Right. Um, I mean, it's a tough choice. Because see if the Edmonds had a wide receiver brother, then that's who I'd go with. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> that was a, yeah. those were two really fun questions. I appreciated the thought, um, and I'm gonna have to put more questions on Twitter now to get those. Kind what of about questions. two groups of brothers? Because then you could pick the Lewises <laughs> and the Fullers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, gentlemen, it's amazing how not you know when we first started doing the Tech Sideline podcast, the first one we ever did, the three of us was like 45 minutes, uh-huh. and then it was like all right, we got a cabin an hour, and now. An hour and twenty-two minutes just flies by, and like it's and that. it's not because we're we're taking questions, which we didn't do back then. We're we're going well over an hour before we even get to the questions. So thank you to both of you for staying a little bit extra today on the show, episode one hundred fifty-five. Uh, my final question on each and every show is for Chris Coleman, CC. Basketball game tonight against VMI. Will we have coverage on TSL? Yeah, yeah. Jake, Jake will be writing the the recap of that. Awesome. So, and, yes. Uh, well, that game is on ACC Network? ACC, ACC Network, Network yeah. at 8 o'clock. Yeah. 
Yep. And so the men's are undefeated, and the women are undefeated as well, coming off a big 40-point-plus win over George Washington the other day. So. How good is George Washington, though? Uh, they were unbeaten. Uh, they, you know, they uh, they had a couple of pieces inside, but Tech made, what, 16 threes, which tied a Castle Coliseum record, mm. two away from the program record. I'll tell you, Tech women's basketball folks, they're legit. They've got two really good interior uh, players this year, Asia Jones and Liz Kitley, kick out and shoot the three ball. Where's Jones from? She's a transfer from Southern California. Um, no one will ever accuse Whit Babcock of not being able to hire basketball coaches. That is correct. So, All right, well, that'll just about wrap things up. Episode 155 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Uh, any final thoughts, gentlemen? None we sign whatsoever. I'm, no. really, I'm really excited Ted, about Can we get to the next week, please? It's pretty yeah. much what I'm thinking Well, we will about. be back on Monday morning to talk about Virginia Tech football, the recap of the Clemson game, and we'll talk a little bit about Hokie Hoops and what Will and Chris saw from tonight's game against Virginia Military Institute. Yeah, because Tech does not play this weekend. They so. do not. The next game for Tech men's basketball after Thursday's game is Tuesday in the ACC Big Ten Challenge against Penn State. So uh, that'll do it for us. Thanks so much, everybody, for the great questions. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. Episode 155 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. For our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Thanks so long. Thanks so much for watching, and enjoy the game this weekend.